Our scripture reading tonight is Romans chapter 3, the tail end of Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 21, Romans chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Thus far the reading of God's word. And now our catechismal reading. Our text for this evening is Canons of Dort. We are now in the second head of doctrine. Canons of Dort, the second head of doctrine, which is page 270. Page 267. Page 267. We'll be reading the first four articles together and considering them together. The second main point of doctrine, articles one through four. We'll read together starting at article one. God is not only supremely merciful but also supremely just. His justice requires, as he himself in the word, that the sins we have committed against his infinite majesty be punished with both temporal and eternal punishments of soul as well as body. We cannot escape these punishments unless satisfaction is given to God's justice. Since, however, we ourselves cannot give this satisfaction or deliver ourselves from God's anger, God in his boundless mercy has given us as a guarantee his only begotten Son, who is made to be sin and a curse for us in our place on the cross in order that he might give satisfaction for us. This death of God's Son is the only and entirely complete sacrifice and satisfaction for sins. It is of infinite value and worth, more than sufficient to atone for the sins of the whole world. This death is of such great value and worth for the reason that the person who suffered it is, as was necessary to be our Savior not only a true and perfectly holy man, but also the only begotten Son of God, of the same eternal and infinite essence with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Another reason that this death 
was accompanied by the experience of God's anger and curse, which we, by our sins, had fully deserved. Amen. Is gospel law or gospel? That might seem like an absurd question, but it's an important question. It's really an important question that needs figured out before we can have any other discussion about the gospel. Before we have any other discussion about for whom is the gospel, and how does the gospel work, and how does it go out, and where ought the gospel to be preached, before we answer any of that, we must answer the question, what is the gospel? Is the gospel law, or is the gospel gospel? Is the gospel a reward for good behavior, or is it a gift? Is the gospel fair, or is the gospel gracious? And wrapped up in this question is an even bigger question. What is merit? What do people deserve and what do people earn before God? And more specifically, what does God owe us? See, the Reformation came on the heels of one of the most damnable sentences ever written in human history. In the 1400s, Gabriel Beale was a Roman who wrote a statement that became a key point of doctrine in the papist church. And the, the sentence was this, to those who are doing what is in them, God doesn't deny grace. Or to put that another way, God saves people who try hard and do their best. Or even another way, God helps those who help themselves. And that is blasphemy. We are sinful and God is holy. We recognize that we've heard in your law difficult words. And we know that the law tells us how dead and hopeless we are outside of Christ. God's law does not tell us close enough. God's law tells us sinner. God's law tells us that we have offended an infinite God and that we have earned everlasting punishment. So what we have earned, what we are owed, what God owes us and what we deserve is death. And the law tells us we merit death. We have earned it. The law tells us we are actually the ones who owed God obedience. We owed God something. We owed him obedience. And yet we have given him disobedience. The law tells us that we don't get to look up to the heavens and demand God come down and meet our standards. The law tells us that God has actually come down and revealed his standards. And we, in turn, have broken the standard he revealed. But the good news is that the gospel is gospel. The good news is that we do not deserve anything, but God has given us grace upon grace. The good news is that the free gift is not like the trespass. The good news is we owed God an infinite debt, and yet in Christ, in his Son, God has infinitely overpaid the price of our redemption. The good news tells us that God has done something for us that he did not owe us, that he has freely given us a gift. God's justice demanded that we paid for our sins, but God sent his son to pay more than enough, says our text tonight. The gospel is that you have done nothing, but you have been given everything. And if we don't understand this concept, this core concept, that gospel is gospel, that grace is grace, and that law is death we deserve, gospel is unmerited life, then none of, if we don't understand any of this, then none of the doctrine that flows out of those, those uh, starting points, none of the doctrine that flows out of this is going to comfort us. 
If we don't understand that gospel is gospel, we're going to be angry, we're going to be sad, we're going to be hurt, and we're going to be scared by what we find in the Word. If we don't get the basics first, we are going to be scared by the Word. And the basics are this. This is our main theme tonight. Gospel is God gave you what Christ earned. The gospel is that God gave you what Christ earned. The gospel is that God gave you Christ so that in Christ he could give you everything that Christ deserves. And if we truly grasp that, if we understand that the gospel is free grace, then it can comfort us when we come to harder questions. The rest of the second head of doctrine is a lot harder questions, but we have to answer this easy question to be comforted in those questions. If we get that gospel is gospel, then when we come to questions about for whom is the atonement intended, uh, questions about to whom the gospel goes and for whom the gospel works, when we come to those questions, if we've gotten the basics, we're not going to end up in weird places. Instead, we can rest in the comfort that gospel is gospel. It is unearned, undeserved, and freely given from no deserving of our own. We've got two points tonight. First, the wages of sin is death. Secondly, Christ merits our life. The wages of sin is death, and Christ merits our life. First, the wages of sin is death. At his core, Arminius was a well-intentioned fool. He was well-intentioned because in his heart of hearts, he genuinely thought he was saving God from himself. Arminius thought he was rescuing God from the revealed word. At the heart of Arminius' thought is that he thought God's word is unfair. But it's also what made him a fool. Well-intentioned, foolish. At the heart of Arminius' thought is that not everybody deserves to go to hell. But at the point where you don't think everyone deserves to go to hell... You're not arguing with a stuffy group of Dutch ministers in the middle of nowhere Netherlands. You're arguing with the word of God. And that's where Article 1 starts tonight. God is not only supremely merciful, he is supremely just. His justice requires, as he has revealed himself in the word, that the sins we have committed against his infinite majesty must be punished with both temporal and eternal punishments of soul as well as body. Another way we can put that is like the scripture puts it in Romans 6. The wages of sin is death. Sin deserves death. Sin has earned death, and we are sinners. And it was when Arminius failed to grasp this point. It was when Arminius failed to see that sending sinners to hell is God being fair. It was when Arminius failed to grasp that this is the truth, that he fell into twisted thinking. And by the way, this has always been the best way, to, one of the best ways to start a heretical cult is stop denying that hell, or stop believing that hell is fair. Start denying that hell is fair. C.T. Russell did that. Charles Taze Russell, he started his cult, the Jehovah's Witnesses, because he didn't want hell to be fair. He was mad hell is in the Bible, and so he hired four guys who didn't know Greek to rewrite the Bible without hell. And now his followers come to your door every year or so, and they sell religion like vacuum cleaners. And they don't celebrate birthdays, and their kids die because they can't have blood transfusions. So I guess what I'm saying here is, if you want your kids to live and you don't want to annoy the neighbors, keep believing in hell. Um, but more importantly, don't stand in judgment over the word that judges you. 
Don't stand in the word, judgment over the word that judges you. We don't get to change what's in the Bible because we don't like it. We don't get to change what's in the Bible because it doesn't meet our standards of what we would like to see. We get to obey the Bible. As one of my professors put it, God's definition of justice is himself. We might live in a subjectivist time where everybody's special, but God doesn't care. He does not submit to the demands of the so-called enlightenment that he justify himself, and he will not submit to the demands of the post-enlightenment that he justify himself. To you, God doesn't have to explain himself. Hell is fair whether we like it or not. And Arminius started his mess because he didn't like what God has to say. But this is what God's word says, whether we like it or not. God's word tells us that humankind has sinned in Adam. God's word tells us <laughs> that we are all born totally depraved and unable to keep the law. God's word tells us, God's word tells us that we are all fairly headed for hell and that everyone who goes to hell deserves it. God's word tells us we merit death. But thankfully, Christ merited our life. Point two, Christ merited our life. Christ earned for us what we did not deserve because the Father sent him in his boundless mercy so that he could freely grant and credit to us everything Christ has merited. That's where article two goes. Since, however, we ourselves cannot give this satisfaction or deliver ourselves from God's anger, God in his boundless mercy has given us as a guarantee his only begotten son who was made to be a sin and a curse for us in our place on the cross in order that he might give satisfaction for us. In answer to the hell that we fairly deserved, God sent unfair grace. So what is the gospel? The gospel is unfair, unearned grace in Christ. The gospel is the unfair gift of God's boundless mercy. The gospel is the only begotten son made into sin and curse for sinners. The gospel is getting credit for Christ's work like divinely sanctioned plagiarism. As one pastor put it, when from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansions in the skies, still then this shall be all my plea. Jesus has lived, has died for me. The deserving that we can plead before the judgment seat of God is Christ's deserving. The works that we will put before the judgment seat of God to be counted righteous and worthy are Christ's works. And the merit that earns our spot in heaven with God forever is Christ, whom God has sent. The gospel is gospel because the gospel is not what we deserve. It's what Christ deserves. Well, what does Christ deserve? Article three, this death of God's son is the only and entirely complete sacrifice and satisfaction for sins. It is of infinite value and worth, more than sufficient to atone for the sins of the world and then skipping down to the last sentence of Article 4, another reason is that this death was accompanied by the experience of God's anger and curse, which we, by our sins, had fully deserved. So the answer to the question, what does Christ's death deserve? The answer is more than everything. Christ's death is of infinite value and worth. It is more than sufficient to atone for the sins of the whole world. 
in response to our infinite debt before him, God in Christ has overpaid infinity. Christ merited your life because in him, God has more than satisfied for your sins. In fact, if God had saved every single person, which the word does not say he has done, but if he had, if he had saved every single person, Christ's death would deserve more. So what is the gospel? The gospel is God overpaid the price to save you. In response to the death we deserved and the debt we owed, God freely gave us what we didn't deserve, and Christ paid more than what we owed. So if you have trusted in Christ, Isaiah's prophecy is true. In Christ, you have paid double for your sins. Christ has overpaid. He has more than satisfied the wrath of God toward you. What we find in the word of the gospel is not God helps those who help themselves. That's gospel. What we find in the word is that God unfairly and freely gave us what we did not deserve and that Christ merited our life. As one Scottish poet put it, upon a life I have not lived, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death, I stake my whole eternity. There's no deserving in there. The word of the gospel is the word of Christ's merit, poured out and overflowing in grace to people who in no way deserved it. And we stand upon his merit. But there's a reason to bring all of this up. There's a reason we have four articles about this. The canons bring all of this up because in the next few articles, we're going to come to some hard truths. We're going to come to the truth that the only people who believe this gospel are the ones God has chosen in eternity. We're going to come to the hard truth of the word that many are called, but few are chosen. And we're going to come to the truth of the word on the lips of Christ in his high priestly prayer. I'm praying for my sheep. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. They are yours. And when we come to these truths, Arminius jumps out of his little corner and shakes his fists at the heavens and he cries unfair. That cannot be true because I can't accept it. What my nut can't catch isn't a butterfly and my nut cannot catch this grace. And I can't accept it because I don't like it. And what he tells us, what that tells us, is that the entitlement mentality has existed since at least the 1600s. But in response to, to all of this, we submit to the clear teaching of the word. We submit to the word that tells us gospel is gospel. We submit to the word that tells us the gospel is unfair. And we submit to the word that tells us is the gospel is you get credit for Christ's work. And Christ's work is a gift. Nothing you have deserved, everything you have been given. The gospel is not law. It is gospel. The gospel is not justice. It is mercy. The gospel is not our deserving. It is Christ's merit. And the gospel is overwhelmingly good news to unbelievably undeserving sinners. The gospel is the news that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel is we love because he first loved us. The gospel is salvation is a gift of God, not of works. None of the God owed us a chance or God owed us this or that nonsense. Only no merit of our own, all the merit of Christ and the merit of Christ overwhelmingly overpaying everything to save us. Amen.
At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.